0: Welcome to Classroom Academy Learning Made Real, a podcast about educational issues, preparing the next generation of teachers to meet those demands, and in general, the pursuit of excellence. Hi, I'm Colleen McDonald, a career educator, a national board certified teacher, and the director of the Classroom Academy, a two-year teacher residency model. And I'm joined today with my co-host, Luke.
1: Hey, everyone. My name is Luke Kariah-Demude. Colleen and I actually met when I was doing some research. I'm an uh, innovation consultant and researcher, but I'm also a podcaster. And um, so Colleen enlisted me to join her on this podcast journey. I'm so excited to be here. And I've actually done a lot of research with educators. And uh, I'm just super excited to hear more from some great, great experienced teachers and educators. So let's uh, let's begin, shall we?
0: In this episode, we're going to be speaking with Rick DeCar, an elementary educator. Educator of 13 years, Connor Kubler, a newly certified teacher, and Dr. Jean-Ann Hunt, a professor of teacher preparation at SUNY Plattsburgh's Queensbury campus. And today we're discussing how we cultivate a professional educator along their career path. So welcome everybody. Hi. Hey, Colleen. Hello. I guess as we think about this topic, I- I'm going to start Dr. Hunt with you, because you really kind of are the starting gate as we think about preparing teacher candidates. Um, And you've worked with so many aspiring teachers.
2: What quality do you feel best serves them in their professional work? Well, first of all, let me say I'm happy to be here and happy to talk about education. What a wonderful topic. Um, I think for me, aspiring teachers who show uh, a lot of curiosity Curiosity can take you a long way in this career, uh, from you know, really tuning in to observe the students in your classroom, to being curious about your own learning, about um, the subjects that you're teaching, about the community that you are working in, maybe living in. And that curiosity often leads to reflection, which I think is a huge part of um, developing as a professional educator. And Then um, I lean pretty heavy to the relational side. I think our teacher candidates that have the ability to build relationship, have the ability to be empathic, and really see the potential in every student that's in their classroom carries them a long way to being successful. I couldn't agree with you
0: more. The reflection and the relationship piece are so incredibly important. This may seem like an interesting switch, but um, I actually am gonna to go to Rick next because I have a question for you and I I kind of want to sandwich Connor's experience with the, the two perspectives on either end of the continuum. So Rick, you've been teaching for 13 years and how do you stay current or expand your learning as a teacher.
3: I think it has to do a little bit with what Dr. Hunt already kind of spoke to which was this idea of being curious and always trying to find the way that best meets the needs of the students in front of you. Because the students' needs they change every year; they, they change on a daily basis as well. But um, you know, with the, each group comes a different dynamic, and what worked one year doesn't necessarily work the next. So. In order to really find a way to get kids engaged where they can make substantial growth, you need to be curious and find new techniques, new approaches, so they can continue to kind of grow their own curiosity and and progress as a learner.
0: So Connor, you spent uh, a couple years in Rick's classroom. Before you talk about that, I'm kind of curious, what brought you to pursue teaching as a career?
4: Yeah, so I think all along, I knew I wanted to work with kids. Um, Originally I went for math education because I just was passionate about math and wanted to pass that passion down to the next generation. But then in the summer of 2017, I worked for the double H ranch. I worked for their summer camp and it's a camp for seriously ill children. So I spent 10 weeks with new kids every week and just was inspired by them over and over again. And I was very lucky to be part of the wolf cabin, which was 10 and 11-year-olds. So that kind of drew me to working with the younger kids. They were just a ton of fun. They were weird. They were always up for new challenges. (laughs) And then, uh, (laughs) yeah. So after that summer, I uh, made the decision to switch to elementary education. And I am very glad I did.
0: Wow. We're lucky to have you. How do you see... Your academic program and the placement that you had through the academy, how did how did those two things uh, kind of together impact your growth as an educator?
4: So definitely, I mean, first off, just getting to apply what you learn right away. Like I could learn something in a class, and then the next day be going and trying it out in Rick and I's room. But also, like I like the adage, you don't know what you don't know. So there were things that I would learn in my class that I would be like, wow, I had no idea that was a thing. And then I would go and watch Rick teach or have him give me some advice or go to a PD. And then there was something else that I didn't know was a thing. So like just having, being able to learn from both places, I really, I feel like it helped me learn way more than I ever could have if I only had one experience.
0: Dr. Hunt, when you think about Connor and other residents experience or other uh, teacher candidates and other programs that you've taught, How does experience with students and being able to apply their academic learning play into a candidate's um, professionalism and success in the profession?
2: Yeah, I I love, Connor, what you just said about um, being able to attend a class and then go into your own classroom the next day with your attending teacher and try something out. And then having that professional right there with you to talk about, how did that go? What did you think? What, you know, what could have gone better? What, what went wrong there? Uh, there's no substitute for that. That's the place where I think they, it really sinks in. Oh, I'm teaching a child or I'm teaching a young adult. It's really not about what I'm having them read. It's about teaching the reader, not the reading.
3: Yeah, I think you're teaching thinking, right? You're teaching, you're teaching problem solving, critical thinking, um, and the texts or the materials are just the means. And I think that goes to kind of what you spoke about earlier too, Dr. Hunt is this idea of like, what's your relationship with that student and what's their relationship with learning and how does that fit together? Like you, the student and learning and like, how does that relationship all kind of like coalesce together? Because if I guess you could say, if a side of that triangle is broken, you know, it's hard to make progress because you're not teaching, like, a book. You're teaching a student, a human. I think that's the part that was hardest for even me coming out of college because, to Connor's point, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I didn't have a long-term experience in a classroom to kind of figure that out on my own. It's about relationships, critical thinking, and problem-solving, and I think the rest of it kind of is just kind of icing on the cake.
2: Yeah, and that takes time. It takes time to figure out, oh, wait a minute. that I'm working with a little human being right here who really, this is about problem solving, right? Well, and
0: also to speak to that, like the the reality that as little human beings, they also come with their own variables and knowing what those are and how to plan for those or adjust for those is also something that is often um, something you don't know that you don't know um, when you're thinking about uh, coming into teaching. Um, If that student, if that arm of the triangle is broken because that student didn't have breakfast this morning, uh, they may not be ready to learn that math lesson. And so understanding that and being able to move through that um, and adjust for it is important.
1: Do any of you have examples of that, like in your experience of of where the the student kind of informed a realization or a a, a way that you now approach uh, certain
3: elements of of teaching? I think there's a lot of examples of that. And I think it looks different for every student. And I think that's part of this idea of like cultivating a a pro is this being curious enough to go and figure it out for each individual student, right? What makes them click? What what barriers do they have? Connor and I had a a group of, of students last year, and it probably took us until right before quarantine to get that relationship solid between learning and us and them you know it, I think it took it took me saying several times to this one particular student I had said to him several times I really care about you and I really care about you know how you're feeling about school but also just in general and he he wasn't buying it you know wasn't buying what I was selling and it took uh, a social worker to say to him you know he really does care about you and then the student comes to me, goes. So they, you, they say, I care, uh, you care about me. I said, yeah, that's what I was trying to tell you. So, you know, sometimes it takes a village. It's a process where you're trying to communicate on the same level and communication is hard.
0: Well, actually, Rick, I think that that's a great one because that not only shows your attempt to build a relationship, but the fact that, you know, our students all come to us with different personal experiences. Some will trust in you more quickly than others. Some need to hear it from more than just you. Um, before
2: it becomes real for them. So I think that's a great example. And I think sometimes for me, you know, when I first became a teacher, I'm like, well, why wouldn't every student trust me? I'm like, well, not every student knows you, so why would they trust you, right? And um, one of the things I discovered along the way was that I wasn't necessarily listening to my students' experiences. I was listening to whatever narrative I had already been taught to believe about my kids. And once I stopped that narrative and started to listen to the children that were in my classroom and their families and their experiences, that went a long way. One of the things I'm kind of curious about, Rick, is
0: the relationship between you and Connor played into the learning between you and Connor, as well as that with the relationship with your students. So how has working with a resident impacted your own practice?
3: Um, So I've had some student teachers in the past, and one of the things that happens, it's only six weeks, and it's really hard in that amount of time to build a relationship that feels like the person in the room is a colleague. I I can think back to Connor's first six weeks, and he was was learning a lot very quickly, you know, but it was a lot of me taking a step back and saying, okay... This is what just happened, and this is what I just noticed. This is why I did what I did, and so and that for that for me was a process of uh, one that I wasn't used to. You do it for so long, you kind of do things instinctually, and then when you have to explain yourself, you'd be like, "Wow, that wasn't that actually was a decent decision." But there were other times where I would catch myself where I would try something and I didn't work and I would explain to him why it didn't work. So it, it kind of held myself a little bit uh, early on, like in a, to accountable on a different level, which was fun and also like really challenging for me. One of the things that made our classroom, I think, successful is that Connor and I very much knew from the start, even before we knew each other, that the most important people in the room were the kids, And so I think that's what allowed us to be able to communicate and collaborate very closely and very quickly um, without any barriers. Um, It was never about either one of us. It was a classroom that was built for the kids. And um, our main goal was to help them take the skills that were strengths, make them stronger, take the skills that needed growth and help them grow them.
0: Obviously, Connor's going off to his own classroom next year. Um, which is so exciting. What types of supports do you think, Rick, new teachers need as they uh, transition into their own space?
3: Wow, so, you know, I think for new teachers, they need a person to bounce ideas off of. You know, next year when I go back to being by myself, one of the things that's gonna be strange for me is not having someone to go, what do you think about this? It allows me to kind of talk through that idea and then someone to go, yeah, but you forgot this or yeah, why don't you try that? And so I think one of the things that's gonna be hardest is not having that person in the room next year. And that's why they have the mentor program. But I think the role of that mentor needs to be a little bit more prevalent because that, that new teacher needs somebody to say, this is what happened today, tell me if I'm crazy. Or this is what happened today, it went really well. Can you help me figure out why it went so well? Right? Because sometimes things go well and you're like, I don't know what just happened, but that was great. Right? That was fantastic. And, some, and sometimes you do know what happened, but I think that's one of the things is like, you need somebody in your building, in your corner to help you navigate the successes and the failures. And the mentor program is there for that.
0: Well, that leads to my next question is actually to Connor. How does Rick's thinking on that align with what you think would be helpful as you start?
4: Definitely having a mentor in the room, like really helped me as a new educator. I know that's not gonna be the case for pretty much everybody else, so having that mentor in the building to turn to is going to be huge for them, but also something that was helpful for me as someone new in, in a school building is um, knowing what supports are there for the kids that I may not be aware of immediately. So like coming from the admin team, like which principals are on your floor, who can you turn to if you need someone's help? And then also the social work team, I developed a pretty strong relationship with our sixth grade social worker. And I knew like the kids that she was working with or the kids that might have needed time with her. And then I was able to have a conversation with her, discuss the kids needs, figure out what might be best for them. So I had Rick with me every step of the way, but also having people outside of the classroom and having the relationship with them and knowing where they could step in and help me, that's going to be huge for new teachers as well. Cause building relationships are not something that's really, you're not taught that in your college classes. And that's something that's going to be big for new teachers.
0: Is that something you'll seek out right away when you go into your new building? Because I know, um, as as you start your teaching career, you're not going to be in the middle school you were in, so you're going to be in a new elementary school. So will those be some of the first things that you seek out?
4: Yeah, absolutely. As soon as I can uh, get in the building, I want to get in and like find the lay of the land, of course. But then also, um, as soon as the year starts, when the staff are back in the building, I'm gonna seek out the social workers, seek out the school psychologists, have just an introductory conversation with them. So then when the time comes where I need their help, or a kid needs their help, then they'll be ready to help me. And we won't have to uh, be meeting each other for the first time.
2: I just want to jump in to say that, you know, listening to Connor talk about accessing a group of people as a first year teacher kind of takes me back to a comment that I think Rick made earlier about children and young adults often needing that village of adults around them uh, to reinforce a message maybe that one adult is saying to them. And I think we often forget that teachers need a village too. And um, if we've learned nothing out of this past year is how important it is that uh, we all make connections uh, to one another, that we build relationships with other teachers and how important that is
1: we have three educators here at different areas of the field different times and places of their careers at any point do do you feel like you you are this quote-unquote pro was there ever a point where you you had the confidence to say i know what i'm doing and 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 that made the, the all the difference or are you always feeling like you're you're climbing the mountain how do you feel about this word pro in, in within the different spots of this uh, this life as an educator
3: that you're in each of you? So I think um, I, I'm always searching to to make myself better. And part of that is just like my own personality, right? So it's um, on the side, I, I, I've been running since I was you know 11 competitively. And you know there's always things that you can do to make yourself faster, stronger. And, and, it's, and it's always, it's a constant learning game. There's new, new techniques, new workouts, new ways to approach fitness, new ways to eat. Um, and so that constant, I think that has flowed into how I approach things in the classroom where I'm always looking for something, a, a new challenge. Or a new way to do something. For example, the nat- becoming nationally board certified that does help you make you feel like a pro. There are parts of that process that do not make you feel like a pro. It can be very daunting, but when you come out on the other end of it, when it's when it's all done, you do you do feel like you kind of know what you're talking about. And 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 the same with you know being a part of Classroom Academy is having someone in your room for two years that you mentor and help them grow it it, and watch them become a teacher with their own style in their own right, right. And kind of in front of your own eyes and know that you played a part. Like that also gives you that feeling of being a pro, but I don't think that there's ever like you've reached the top. You never feel like it's far away, but you're always driven to kind of get to it. I'm really interested in how technology help kids helps kids learn. Um, you know, me and colleagues have presented at national conferences just sharing what we've tried out with other people. Um, those kinds of things are exciting for me to talk to other educators and share what we have tried out and hear from other educators what they're trying out and um, how they're reaching kids. And I think that's part of being a pro too, is this idea of coming out of a silo. The educator community is bigger than the four walls of your classroom. And like Connor said, like it, it's the people in your building, but it's also the people who are not. It's the community which you serve. It's the education community. It's, it's big.
4: Rick, you already had your peak. You got teacher of the year. So as far as I'm concerned, it's all downhill from
3: here.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was another time where you kind of feel like, you know, you're the community that you work in and serve kind of recognizes you as someone who knows what they're talking about. That was really nice. Um, when it comes down to it for me, what makes me kind of feel like a pro is when at the end of the year, and, and Connor Connor finally got his first um, experience with the end of the year, is when the kids, they don't want to leave. You were able to create an environment or, or help create an environment and sustain one that kids wanted to come to every day and push themselves to get better, and, and they don't want to leave it. And I think... Um, that is probably the thing that makes you feel most like a pro. I,
2: I love your answer, Rick. I think it's true that there is no time, at least in my career, where I feel like, oh, I've arrived, I've got it. Uh, but for, for me, I have the wonderful opportunity to go into a whole bunch of different classrooms as I um, observe the teacher candidates and so i'm always getting to gather ideas i can't wait rick one day i'm gonna i'm gonna actually be able to go into your classroom and connor you too i cannot wait to watch you in action and then be able to take all those ideas back to the college classroom that is that is super exciting for me and congratulations rick on your award this year
4: so for me definitely feeling like a pro is a journey like Reflecting back on where I started two years ago to where I am now, seeing that growth definitely gives me the confidence to feel like at times I was a pro. And definitely within this system, I felt like by the second year, by like halfway through the second year, I was like, I can do this. Like Rick and I work well together. The kids are buying in. Like I can do this. But then now going to my own building, my own classroom. I'm definitely going to have times where I'm going to be like, what am I doing? Like, how can I do this? And then I'll I'll dial up Rick's phone number and he'll give me some words
3: of wisdom. But I think that's also a part of just being the pro. There are moments that are frustrating and challenging. And it, and I think also what makes people a pro is like your ability to respond to those challenges. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. When you become a pro, you don't get knocked down by them, right? You They challenge you. They... they They help you find new ways to approach something and they can be frustrating, but they don't knock you down.
4: Yeah. And I think what Rick and Dr. Hunt have touched on is just always trying to grow. Like you can be a good teacher. I feel like from year to year doing mostly the same things, but getting to that next level of being a great teacher. Those are the ones who during the summers are looking for the new ways to reach kids, looking for the new activities that are going to engage them, looking to revitalize a unit that really didn't click with the majority of the class. I feel like pro is kind of subjective and that you might be able to feel like a pro in your teaching, but maintaining that comes from growing and
3: continuing to push yourself. It's refining your craft. I think that's what it, being a professional is. It's this, this idea of always trying to be better, always trying to reach the students in front of you and see the excitement for learning kind of bubble up inside them. And so it's the, the, the refining of your craft is I think, what is most exciting for me still. Largely, what I'm
1: hearing, it's this emotional and social contract that you have to make with every kid. It's like each one, you have to develop a relationship with each one of these students, and each relationship is different. How nuanced is it? Can you talk a little bit about how you negotiate that in your own in your own practices?
2: Well, you know, one, one thing that um, was really helpful to me to figure out early on is that I'm not the only teacher in a classroom. You know, the kids um, have a big role in when you form a classroom community, they often learn from one another. And I would learn a lot from my kids who were able to say, oh, I think if you did it this way to one of their peers, and then it would click for them. And I'm like, ah, okay, that's, that was part of the nuancing of my craft for me. I'm like, yeah, okay, I need to try that next time. So I'm not the only teacher in the room.
3: Getting your classroom community to, to feel and for kids to be confident in knowing that you're not the only teacher in the room is, is, is uh, it's it's challenging. Depending on what their experience was with school before they walk into your classroom, that can be a very difficult shift. I think one of the hardest things for me is making sure that All the students feel seen for their strengths can be very, very challenging. Being able to kind of switch into those different mindsets to make sure that everybody feels seen and and the way they feel about their learning for right at that moment is is acceptable to make sure everybody feels like they are a part of the learning community. Because while I'm not the only teacher in the room, more often than not, kids want to have that conversation with a teacher. They want to have it with a friend too. Learning is a very social activity. But they want to have it um, with the teacher. And and it's an important part of the relationship is making sure that the ways that kids see themselves, that you see that in them too.
1: It's it's inspiring to to know that, uh, you know, there's so many teachers out there that are still... Going for it and striving for that next level and, and uh complacency sets it in so many pursuits that it's it's great to, to know that we got these good teachers out there going for that next level, even
3: no matter where they are at their point in their career. And and just because you, you mentioned it, like it's this idea of like complacency is sometimes it's really hard to notice that it's happening. Right. So like I there are times throughout the day where I notice myself become complacent and you have to become active. It's being aware of it and that's really, really hard because I feel like it's easier to just sit and wait sometimes and be like, I'll do that later. Like it's easier to just say later, but the the most important time is right now and we're gonna be active right now because that's when we have them in front of us and or being active and trying to find new things because the, the time to implement them is right now or yesterday for that matter.
0: That was a really incredible conversation about the professionalism of teachers how to cultivate a pro and just a great panel to capture the continuous growth and thinking that's needed
1: yeah and I, I think there was some amazing points about making that village and striving for for new opportunities and and, and always striving for that excellence and in in the conversation we talked a lot about classroom Academy our namesake you know classroom Academy learning made real Colleen do you want to just for any listener who who needs a little more clarification tell us about classroom Academy
0: absolutely and we'll put a link to the website in the show notes but classroom 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 Academy is a two-year residency apprenticeship model um, for graduate level students who are coming into teaching uh, brand new. So you got an undergraduate degree, a four-year degree in something, and then decided you wanted to be a teacher. Uh, Or maybe you started a career and then decide you want to become a teacher. Um, You join through one of our three higher ed partners, SUNY Plattsburgh at Queensbury, or Russell Sage Colleges, or SUNY Empire. And once you're accepted into their graduate program, you can apply to come into the Classroom Academy. Um, We match to a professional teacher in one of our partner districts and our residents spend the majority of two years in that classroom with that teacher uh, learning the craft. As they learn the science uh, in their graduate program, they actually get to practice and learn the craft of teaching, working alongside a lead expert teacher. Um, What's great about it is two things, Uh, number one, They get paid $22,000 a year while they're in the placement. uh, So they're not student teaching for free. And the other thing is that they, now that we are registered apprenticeship, our SUNY candidates automatically get um, some tuition assistance. So to cut down on student debt. So they get paid to be in that learning experience. um, They get some tuition help uh, along the way and they really get to practice uh, the art of teaching over a two-year period.
1: And they might even have a teacher of the year as their as their teacher, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's pretty good. They absolutely pretty good. might. So, so that's great. So yeah, if you don't know about Classroom Academy and you think this might be for you, please go to the show notes, check it out. We also are so happy that you're listening. We would love for you to share the podcast with people, uh, binge those episodes, uh, talk about it with your friends, your colleagues. Uh, leave us a review, leave us a comment, uh, let us know how you're enjoying it. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on Classroom Academy Learning Made Real. You can find more information that we discussed in the links in the show notes, and we hope we've made your experience real. This podcast has been brought to you by Classroom Academy, and we wanna share some really exciting news. Recently, the Classroom Academy, a two-year graduate level teacher preparation residency, became the first New York State registered apprenticeship program under the new title of teacher. This new designation allows the program to offer, in addition to the $22,000 per year living stipend, tuition assistance to our New York State University candidates. This is a great opportunity that removes barriers for those wanting to come into this challenging and rewarding profession. You know, envisioning this podcast, we came up with the title, Learning Made Real, because that's what we believe we do at Classroom Academy. Our residents, and now apprentices, are matched with expert lead teachers to develop the art of teaching by applying their graduate level learning in a co-teaching environment with students every day. So again, thank you for joining us, and if you'd like more information on Classroom Academy, please visit our website at classroomacademy.org, also linked in today's show notes.